It's Fangirl Chat with Teresa Delgado and Trisha Barr. Episode of Fangirl Chat is on a post celebration Anaheim high. You have fangirls that have been flailing a bunch. This is Trisha Barr from Fangirls Going Rogue and Fangirl Blog, and with me is Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Hey, how's it going? Are you recovered? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. But you know what's funny? I got an interesting fangirl flail today. And it was in the Topps Digital Card app that <laughs> somebody traded me cards. And their comment was, flail. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dear, it's showing up in the Topps Card app, too. If you're new to Fangirl Chat, or maybe if you're not new, we just wanted to reminisce. We started Fangirl Chat because we were so excited about Celebration Europe. Mm-hmm. And we did our first episodes and essentially Teresa and I like just literally flailing over the news coming out of Europe, which was a trickle, it seemed like at the time. But we were getting little bits of information and we were so excited because it's the first time Kathleen Kennedy had been able to speak in front of a Star Wars crowd and we were getting news about Star Wars Rebels and some of the actors and characters and we did some flailing about that. So I was thinking about this episode and I'm thinking Teresa and I were so excited that Freddie Prince Jr. was going to be part of Star Wars back. Really excited. (laughs) Really excited. And then I'm thinking, and now we, here we are, it's over a year since then. And you got to interview him. I did. I got to meet Freddie Prince Jr. What? (laughs) What is that? When does that ever happen to anyone ever? <laughs> I think. Well, I think that was probably our whole day. Saturday was sort of like, what? When does this ever happen? I had to at- restrain myself when I was interviewing him from going hack e sack. Never let it drop. <laughs> Never let it drop. <laughs> what an amazing experience that you know they're there talking to the fans, and you you get you get the real life, and you know. From every single one of those, the Rebels actors that were up there that when they did the press conference, they're all huge, amazing Star Wars fans. So it's like they're one of us. It really is. I mean, it's kind of interesting to watch them interact with each other and then interact with the fans. And it's funny because they hadn't seen the stuff that they were going to show us at Celebration. So they were all like little kids in a candy store. (laughs) And probably one of the best moments of the Rebels panel from Celebration this year was when they all noticed that there was a big screen behind them. And so they could watch it if they just went and sat on the edge of the stage with their backs to us. So they all went and sat on the floor. Was it Freddie Prince Jr. said to Dave Filoni, like, well, why would you show it to us? Because he's like, have you seen it? And you know, so they hadn't seen it. So that was all genuine sort of excitement from them. Obviously, they've read the lines. They know the basic of the story, but then they get to see it animated, which, you know, they don't get to see until they saw it with us. So that was really cool. Yeah. No, yeah, that is pretty cool. And it was really cool to watch them just sort of freak out and be so excited. And you know, we know, like, Vanessa Marshall is a huge Star Wars fan, but getting to see Freddie tease Dave Filoni was probably the highlight of <laughs> that entire panel. Because he has no shame. He's, like, about the same age as Dave, so it's a different relationship, you know, because they're, like, peers rather than Dave just being his boss. So it's like <laughs> friends going at each other. Going at each other. And in the middle of all that insanity, somehow we did the podcast stage, pajama party. <laughs> True. 
true. Somehow, which... <laughs> we got from the Rebels panel to the Rebels press conference to interviewing Freddie Prince Jr. to changing into pajamas and voila on the stage. <laughs> we made it through, even though uh, Teresa, Teresa and I talked about this. I had a moment where I literally was got so excited that my mind went blank. I realized I didn't have my glasses on. I couldn't read what was going to happen next. And Teresa looked at me and she kind of made eye contact and she's like, okay, she's in the zone. She so she gone <laughs> she's gone so Teresa recovered and then I was like okay I'm I'm okay I I was so nervous about the the telling my little story at the beginning so the legend and I didn't tell Teresa that she was going to be the heroine of my story <laughs> didn't realize so. that. that was interesting so I hadn't heard this story before so if you listen to the last episode of fangirls going rogue the fangirl um the story of the fangirl flail or the tale of the fangirl flail I have hadn't ever heard it before she kept it a secret and so she's reading it right next to me and I had a really hard time not just like staring at her as she as Trisha read this story going what tell me more like (laughs) I was like what happens now (laughs) so it was fun it was like the Star Warsian version of us meeting and it's fun so you have to listen to Fangirls Going Road to get that but you got a little behind the scenes sneak peek and then we've been on sort of a podcasting tear because somehow Aristocats was up next on Disney Vault Talk. So we did that. That was one of my first live shows where people are actually listening while we're talking. So. How did you enjoy that? <laughs> well, it was funny because you taught me actually what the word vamp was. So luckily I already knew when you're like, okay, you guys vamp because I was like, the first time we ever did that, we were recording. And so I, I was like, well, what does that mean? So, you know, I could cut that out. Like my silly, when I asked Sarah and Richard, what's, what's my number for? And it was like, what's your hashtag for 2015 on Skywalking Through Neverland? And Mark Newell just like, he laughed so hard when I asked that. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't know the slang. So. Risk keep me up. I should have known hashtag though. I don't know why my brain went to what's your number for 2015. Yeah, I needed you guys to vamp because I got a phone call that involved me getting dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's important. Yep, I needed food. (laughs) Yeah, so um, the latest episode of Disney Vault Talk, it should be out um, by the end of the week, is all about the Aristocats. And you may or not hear me sing several times. You'll hear Trisha sound like an alley cat. Me making sounds like a train. <laughs> and us demanding that Steve play more music. Yep. <laughs> so if you haven't heard the soundtrack of Aristocats, you will have by the end of the show. So that was Done fun. That completely was... perfectly by me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, no, you, but you were doing some impressions and then you got all <laughs> yeah. perfect. Okay. I can do impressions if there's no pressure. I did it one time, and then people started laughing at me, and that was the end of that. We weren't I laughing. I was laughing. Oh, no. I was laughing at myself. <laughs> it was good. Now I have to listen to the recording because you couldn't reproduce it on, no. on command. So. Oh, <laughs> and then for the first week in May, I will be touring for Ultimate Star Wars Book Tour. You can go to the show notes or to DK Publishing's website to get all the information. I am literally going to be Florida, Georgia, Arizona, California, and I don't, Texas. I think Texas. Yes, it's like one of those crazy. Am I near you in Texas? I don't know, I don't, I don't know where you're going in Texas. I don't know either. I'll look it up for <laughs> It's one of those things like like I just finally looked at the schedule and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is all the places I'm going. So, so are you oh. guys traveling as a like team together or? No, we are. There will be a couple places where Adam Bray and I will be together, and then I think Adam is in the same place as Dan Wallace one time. And Dan, so you're I, not all together. No, and riders in other places, more in the northeast. But I have to say the funniest, one of the funniest things was watching Dan Wallace just fanboy about meeting Anthony Daniels at the DK party. So I wish I, <laughs> I wish I like funny stories about that one. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have like you know been recording it. But you know you re- don't realize that it's 
like one of those things that a lot of times these people get to write books and they're but they don't necessarily get to meet other people and so they're you know they are fans just like the rest of us and then you guys had what you have a star wars bookworms your podcast stage and some interviews up yes we do um by the way you will be in houston at blue willow bookshop on saturday may 9th at 2 p.m that's not anywhere near austin um it would take me just under two hours to get there oh wow so i could go drive and see you (laughs) It's a big state. Oh, it's a big state. It's a huge state. So, yes, episode 40 was the Star Wars Bookworms live celebration podcast stage appearance. Pretty cool that it was right on our 40th anniversary, And that was a really, really fun panel. We actually had planned on having Drew Carpishan on, and he was there. But then, so here's another behind-the-scenes thing. So, Dan Wallace, who you did Ultimate Star Wars with, is one of my favorite Star Wars authors ever. And the first time I ever interacted with him was because I did a YouTube. Not, I wasn't connected to anybody or anything, never did anything. Did a YouTube review of the Jedi Path. Somehow he found it. And he emailed me and said, thanks for doing that. Well, we've been, you know, email buddies and Twitter buddies ever since. And... I've been trying to get him on Bookworms for probably over a year. And I just happened to be walking by the DK booth at Celebration. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, Dan? And he's like, Teresa? And I said, yeah. And he gave me a huge hug and he was like, I'm so sorry. He basically stopped the line of people getting his autograph. We told him about the podcast stage and he's like, well, I'm going to come. I'm going to be there. And we're like, okay. You know, and you know how things are at Celebration. People say they're going to be somewhere. They don't always get to go. You know, where they're stuck in a line. Right. Or... <laughs> well, he comes in and he's early. He's like 15 minutes early. And I'm like, wow, you actually are here. You're going to come up on stage with us. So it was pretty cool. So we got to actually have him up on stage and let him talk about Yay. Ultimate Star Wars and talk about the Jedi Path and some other things that he's done. And then I sound like a complete suck up later on in the episode, if you listen to it, because we went through a roundtable of our favorite Star Wars published works. And two of mine just happened to be of the two authors that were in the room. I didn't know Dan was going to be there. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah, but he's he's written a lot of stuff and worked on a lot of really awesome books like The Jedi Path. Yeah, they got a ton. The live panel episode is, is really good. And then we just released today, actually, episode 41, which is basically our wrap-up of Celebration and our experiences and stuff. And then also it has four interviews on it. We did three of them at Celebration, one with Christy Golden. She actually talks about creating a new Star Wars species for Dark Disciple. And then we talked to John Jackson Miller. Tried to ask him some different questions relating to his views on Kanan and Hera and stuff like that. But we also asked him a question about how he decided to off a character in Kenobi. Because it's a really cruel way to die. And then we got to talk to James Lucino. And it's the very first time we've ever talked to him. And he talked to us about writing dark characters and all kinds of things. And he has probably one of the best quotes And I'll let you guys listen to it, but it's about the Legends universe and about what happened with the Expanded Universe. So it's really cool. He makes some really cool comments on that. Once we got back from Celebration, literally like two days later, we interviewed Jeffrey Brown to talk about his new book, Darth Vader and Friends. Jeffrey Brown did Darth Vader and Son, Vader's Little Princess, Good Night Darth Vader. And so we get to talk to him about all that, and it was really cool. So it's a really fun interview episode along with some Celebration recap stuff. Well, I'm putting that on my playlist for the plane trips on this book tour. So You'll like I, it, I think. Yeah. Um, James Lucina was uh, an interview I did at last celebration. It was sort of not planned, but he's like, let's do it. And it was one of those things where people were like, let's do it. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then he, we ended up running out and doing an interview. And he's like crazy cool, just him talking about, Back then, he, you know, Darth Plagueis was out, so I get to ask him about just the way he writes stories, and his brain actually works a lot like mine, which is, I'm more like, you just have to wait until the characters tell you what they're gonna do, then, 
Um, and sometimes I think that's weird. And he's like, no, no, that's the way I am. Or he was saying that. And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm not so weird. So when he was explaining his process in writing. So you didn't get to go to the What Princess Leia Means to Me panel. No, that was Sunday, wasn't it? Yes. No, sorry, I didn't. I was consumed in autographing stuff. Yes. You had an awesome time over, you get to hang with Vanessa Marshall, right? Vanessa, Steve Bloom, Tia, and Taylor. <laughs> I know. Like those, are like, those are like things that you, you definitely can cherish. But it was tying into sort of our conversation about starting Fangirl Chat and the things we talked about, which were Rebels and Kathleen Kennedy. And then one of our biggest sort of, I would say, um, breakouts on fangirls going rogue was talking about the toys merchandise mm-hmm. for star wars rebels <laughs> yeah so i thought there's a lot of things being said in this what i've now deemed princess Leia is awesome panel but that's not what it was called but it was what princess Leia means to me panel which was moderated by jen heddle who's also involved in books for people who like bookworms so she's the editor on the lucasfilm side she oversees marvel comics and i think princess leia 3's out today as we record yeah, yeah. let's see i'm going to go down the line and remember who was on the on their cat Tabor, who's one of our favorites um, voice of Padme and she's also voiced Leia so um, hopefully one day we'll get to hear her voicing Leia in detours. There was Kat Staggs who's an artist and Katie Cook who I don't know why Teresa would know who she is. No I don't know why <laughs> at all. <laughs> there was Rain Roberts who's creative executive on the story group which was really awesome. We were getting to see those people of the story group get to get out there and talk at Celebration. Then also Christy Golden, who you interviewed on Bookworms, mm-hmm. who were all there. And they spoke for about a half an hour where Jen Heddle sort of moderated and gave us a chance to talk. And then she bravely opened it up to the fans. And you never know what you're going to get. So the first, shortly, Rain Roberts just talked a little bit about knowing what happens to Leia in The Force Awakens. I you know what she's going to do in the movie. <laughs> I guess I should sure. say it. I do too. <laughs> I guess I should just say my hope is that everyone enjoys what we've done with the character, and um, I feel really excited about it, so. Um, Other cats. <laughs> I plead the fifth of the cats. <laughs> um, well, you know, I'd really like to open it up to you guys. Um, questions or certainly just comments. I mean, we are not any more qualified to comment on Leia being awesome than you guys are, so if anyone would like to come up and just ask a question or share, you know, a memory or a story or whatever, please feel free. I think there's a microphone uh, down either there, so we're doing... Okay, thanks. Um, I, I kind of basically expected, uh, you know, what everybody has said in terms of how the character affected them. I'm just curious to to ask the men in the audience, uh, the other gender, how you were affected by the character, if you were. Yeah, I'd like to speak on that. Which costume are we talking about? That's a loaded question. Okay. okay. I, I first saw Star Wars when I was five years old. Uh, I grew up watching silent films. And I immediately recognized that archetype, that character from silent movies. The feistiness, the, the, the makeup, the hair even. Uh, so that was immediately recognizable to me. Uh, but then when it comes to the big three characters, uh, Princess Leia was always my favorite because when you meet the guys, they're just, you know, they have Jackasses? They're sort of aimless, right? One's a farm boy, one's a pirate. But when they meet her, she, they become something, right? They become part of the rebellion. Um, And, uh, you know, when when all of the other characters, when she's not on screen, everyone is always talking about the princess. She is the focus of the film, right? She is the rebellion. And then, when you know they the the, uh, the boys come in to try to save her, they do a terrible job of it. And she <laughs> up, and then 
she takes the gun and she rescues them, right? So that's how I feel about that. But and also, I have to say, um, growing up, uh, you know, being a young boy, uh, she was always part of the you know play pattern. You know, there was never a problem there. She was the focus, and she would send the boys off on the mission, right? And now what I'm seeing is for um, rebels. You know, when I see the the product, the, the merchandise that's out there. I'm disappointed to see that um, the, the girls are not featured in the products. And apparently, I, I guess people, are, people who are in charge of these toy companies say, well, the boys don't want to play with the, the female characters. So, see, that that's really disappointing to me. That's how I feel. What I thought was really, uh, I mean, obviously this guy thinks Princess Leia is awesome just because she essentially ran A New Hope and is maybe the heart of the story, getting all those guys to fight the rebellion. Yeah, but so. then <laughs> those other guys, they were just wandering around aimlessly. I don't know. And Leia's like, you should come here and fight this rebellion. So, But what he brought up was really cool, you know, this first gentleman up there, he's like, I want more toys. Princess Leia was part of his play pattern when he was a kid. And in that, there was a toy there of her, and it didn't turn him off. She was just part of the movie. She was one of the characters. And that, you know, he asked for more Rebels toys for women. So I, I felt like, Teresa, didn't you feel like we were getting a little bit more embraced as the from Star Wars from Celebration as far as the female fans and maybe more merchandise coming our way? I would say so. I think that it's a totally different atmosphere than it has been in the past. Um, it just felt different. And it, it really does feel like we're being heard as far as the toy thing and that it's not just us that want the toys. It's everybody who wants them. And it's that's really everybody. cool. It is. And one of the things that I thought was really cool was the toys came up at the also at the Rebel Women Who Fought the Clone Wars panel, which also had Rain Roberts there and Carrie Beck and Athena Portello and Dave Filoni moderated it. And one of the points that was asked again was the toys and they were, you know, because they're, you know, they're treading a line where I think they're all talking about how awesome these women are. And Rain Roberts talks later on about Leia as, as the archetype, just being an incredible archetype. But what they said was speaking up does matter. So when you ask for these toys, it really does matter on social media or in blogs or just bringing it up because sometimes they just think things that maybe isn't necessarily true that girls don't want to play with toys or that boys don't want to play with toys. So I loved hearing this guy just say, hey, when I was a kid, I played with the Leia toy and it was cool. And I don't know why you would think I wouldn't want to play with the Leia toy as a kid or now as an adult wouldn't want my kids to have that opportunity to play with. He was asking specifically about hair and Sabine stuff. And I hope we have a Sabine with a new hairdo. I hope we have a Sabine that her helmet comes off. <laughs> oh yeah, that? so we can so we can see her hairdo. There you go. <laughs> so then Jen Heddle goes on to ask if there's any other guys who would like to weigh in on Princess Leia and another guy is right there in the line and he's ready to talk. Um, I just, I don't know how psychology works, but growing up in Star Wars is the biggest thing in your life. Um, and so the main female character in your play is somebody like Princess Leia, I'm sure it has a lot to do with uh, you accepting women as equals as you grow up, that sort of thing. So I'm sure that was a big help. Um, on the other hand, um, as a guy, when I'm 11 years old, I see Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I think there's a lot of guys who like short brunettes. I, I married one. Yeah, so, 
<laughs> so, and, but, and I would just like to uh, echo uh, what the last gentleman said, is I'm a single father raising two young girls, four and two. And, uh, uh, I just hope Disney would make Princess Leia one of the Disney princesses. So I wanted to ask what what are your thoughts on it because sometimes it's almost like a it's a sometimes I'm like yay and then sometimes I'm like I don't know so what do you think um I say no and the reason I say no is because the Disney princess line or whatever has a lot of positive connotations in the sense of just being something that little girls like but there's also a lot of negative Actually, with my students right now, um, with what I'm teaching, we're talking about things like body image and self-concept and stuff like that. And I asked them to tell me about some places where they see sort of negative body image being pushed on them from the media. And a bunch of them said Disney princesses. And they are correct in ways because we see if you look at the Disney princesses and the way they look, they have very, very small waists, and they're kind of drawn in such a way that could be a little bit, I guess you could say stylistic if you wanted to, but not so great for body image. The only one that I can think of that's a little bit different is actually Tiana, um, one of the more recent ones. And But even Anna and Elsa from Frozen are very form-fitted, almost look like they're wearing a corset the whole time type of deal. And so for me... I just feel like the Disney princess line has a lot of flaws um, and doesn't really promote really strong women a lot of the time. And that started to change maybe through the Disney renaissance a little bit, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think Leia is leaps and bounds ahead of the Disney princesses, and I would never want her to be lumped in with that group. It sounds really yeah. harsh, but I mean, I really like <laughs> no. Ariel and Belle, so, and I really well, love Anna is... and Elsa. I'm just saying that from that perspective. Well, and that was, that's one of the reasons I'm a little hesitant because, you know, they end up being very, they're like stylized. They have a certain look and, you know, they're very protective of that kind of image of what each princess is as far as animated and princess leia was what she was she had a dress but it was more like at the time george lucas was taking the notion of a disney princess because people could recognize a princess in a story right mm -hmm. but they didn't but he sort of turned that all on its head so when I wouldn't want there to be a backslide. You know, obviously, I liked Cinderella, the live-action version. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't I thought they a did skinny a... mini either. Well, but, you know, some people did complain about the the corset and some of the mm -hmm. images yeah. that were photoshopped to, like, really yank her down in that dress, which is amazing, beautiful. But, you know, you in a corset, you cannot do a lot of running. You, no, you I mean, they talk run. about the, the women in the, you know, in the old house fainting all the time. It wasn't because they were faint of heart, because they literally couldn't No, they couldn't breathe. breathe. Like, legitimately <laughs> couldn't move or breathe. So you start, like, sucking on air and your lungs are trying to expand. There's nowhere to go. So it's one of those things. So I I think that there's still, you know, a place where you, you, I mean, Princess Leia can do a meetup at Star Wars. And obviously they're going to have the Star Wars characters. But she doesn't necessarily have to become part of the, quote, line. So to No, speak. I mean, I don't, I don't see why they couldn't just create like a, a Star Wars female line all on their own. You know, they don't need to be a part of the Disney princess lineup to get notoriety. And I wouldn't want them to be. I mean, 
Leia is someone who doesn't need that princess stigma. I mean, Carrie Fisher looks great in a gold bikini, okay? And she looks great. But all the rest of her outfits, she looks like a normal, everyday person, like my friend that I would have just like one of my best friends. It's not like she's this really stylized person. And and I like that about her. I think that's something that people don't really talk about a lot as far as like her look. It's it's distinctive, but it's not flamboyant. Well, and she and we have to remember like back in the day when, especially when A New Hope came out, and even in the early '80s, you know, it was all about the tall, leggy, beautiful models. Blonde was really in, and here she is. You know, I think she's under five feet or right around there. Mm-hmm. So she's this short brunette who doesn't really necessarily fit kind of the standard of what, say, perhaps beautiful should be. And yet everybody thought she was beautiful. And I, I still think she was beautiful because she was just her and very um, empowered. And that is a beautiful thing. Yes. So and then one of you know, one of the other things is just when he was talking about this father was talking about, you know, having the toys for their girls is we forget too that one of the reasons that Star Wars sold amazingly. And we talked about this Boba Fett. Boba Fett was popular before he even was on a screen because he was a toy and people were just like making up their own stories with Boba Fett. And so here you are, if you take the female characters out of the toy set then they can't be one of the parts of the imagination of those kids when you're you know playing with your toys and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that so (laughs) and then the second um, clip I'm gonna play actually talks about the the woman was asking about the slave Leia costume and she was asking about essentially the disconnect sometimes between what Princess Leia was in the Slave Leia costume, which was she never submitted. She was she was never giving up. She always held herself with poise. And perhaps how Princess Leia in the Slave Leia costume has been used in marketing and in other places where it isn't, it's just more used to, well, we have to have slaps, you know, the Slave Leia version on something or apparently people wouldn't pay attention. So it was really... We got to hear from Kat Staggs and Jen Heddle, and then Kat Tabor brought up just this great, lovely point, which is, again, Kat Tabor is like the hero, which is essentially, and I think this is what the Carrie Fisher did in, when she played the role, was she didn't allow, in that, and she's on screen, she's never being enslaved or put down it there's the situation is really tough but she's standing up through it and doing what she needs to do so i'm just gonna let cat Ta- the lady speak and then we'll talk about it we're more concerned about the ways in which you know this image of a woman who's a prisoner and a sex slave has become fetishized and it's on i mean granted yes I mean, you know, what people do in their own boudoirs in terms of fantasy, I mean, that's cool, that's, you know, consent, that's great. But the ways in which that, the image of that, that outfit, that slave, sex slave, you know, outfit, um, is on uh, merchandise. And, you know, you see her, there's official merchandise out on the floor with her, like, with a surfboard, as if this is what she would choose to wear. And I'm wondering if, you all have similar concerns if they've been impacted more recently by the national conversation of rape culture and ways in which we can get Leia back from this fetishized, uh, overly sexualized, misrepresented image. I mean, I think she took herself back as I was replicating subservient about her. There's nothing sexy about her. She's not holding herself in any kind of alluring 
Right. Absolutely. And I'm not, so, I'm not talking so much about the Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Right. right. It's become co-opted. Right. Like, I, I question. I just question. I agree with that. It's, it's, it's a very difficult. It's a right. thorny topic for sure. Right. Um, I, okay, so here I go saying things I probably shouldn't, but whatever. Sorry, my life. I, you know, I was at, this was like a couple months ago, we had a bunch of the, the guys from Marvel at Lucasfilm, you know, talking about future stories, and we were out at dinner. I was the only woman at the table, there was about 10 of us, um, and I don't remember how it came up, but, you know, we were talking about, like, representations in art, you know, bikini and everything, and, you know, it's, it's a gorgeous outfit, like, I, you know, I like looking at it as, you know, a costume, and when women want to wear it, like, go for it, man, like, you should wear whatever you want and be comfortable in it. Um, but we got into this big argument about the idea of, because there's a sort of, like, fan idea out there, this little fantasy that, like, after they're done with Jabba, that, like, Han would see Leia in her bikini and think it was hot. And I'm like, why would he think that's hot? Like, this is like a symbol of this degradation that she had to undergo for him. You know, like, I would assume that the thought of, like, the woman he loves being chained to Jabba Hutt would repulse him. It wouldn't, he wouldn't find it hot. And, like, every man at the table was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Something I always really appreciated is that Han is still blinded and in the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's this idea of what happens after. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think some of it just just, just comes down to a fundamental difference in the way men and women see certain things. They're from Mars, we're from Venus. <laughs> I think taking the character though for, for what she what she is and what she stands for is the best defense against all of this because the worst thing that women should do is see themselves as victims. And the most empowering thing that they can do is not see themselves as victims. Right, exactly. And not think that the world gets to tell them who they are and, and what they can do and what they can be and who can treat them badly and who can't treat them badly. So the best thing to teach girls is to say, you know, you have value and you have the right to tell people how to treat you. And if you don't like the way that someone's treating you, then you tell them to, you know, take a hike. That's kind of a nice thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The best thing to do is to teach little boys to treat them equally. Women can scream until they're blue in the face that we deserve equality, but it is up to men to change the way men act towards women. For it to really, I think to some extent, but I still think that at the end of the day, we really are the own masters of our own lives and. I'm not saying that there aren't situations that happen when you, you, know, you obviously don't have control, but I still think that we all have to change the way that we view ourselves and we hold ourselves, regardless of what other people are doing, because we can't control that, you know? And you're gonna be around jerky women, you're gonna be around jerky guys, and you have to be able to say, no, you can't talk to me like that, you can't treat me like that, and if you're going to, I'm going to not be in the situation. And I mean, obviously, some situations require outside assistance, and especially for little kids. But I, you know, I just know that being taught, you know, by my my parents, like you you stand up for yourself and you stand up for what's right, and that's one of the reasons I love Star Wars. You know, it's about like standing with your friends for what's right, and 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 then you can't go wrong. And so you know, I got kicked out of class when I was really little for like talking back to a teacher. But he was being really mean to a kid that was very sort of meek. And so when my dad came to pick me up, he wasn't mad at me. We went and got ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I just want to take oh. a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to add, um, but, you know, it's unfortunate when, when uh, images like that get fetishized, like you're saying, and, and uh, co-opted. I know that that wasn't George Lucas's intention. He has you know, three daughters, he, he has a lot of respect for women, and I will just add that there's a lot of women behind the scenes at Lucasfilm now, and we're looking at all the content that we're doing, and we're working with exceptional men that see women as full individuals, as Derek said today, his panel is a person, not just a woman or a man, but a person, and, and so I would just say, feel encouraged by everything we're doing now, and the way that we think about women inside the company, I think it comes from a very wholesome um, and empowered place, and, you know, things 
turn into what they do once they leave our hands at times, but, but that's not our intention. Kat was our first guest on Fangirls Going Rogue. Oh, and it was so amazing. It was amazing. And I think the points are all really well made by the panel, but one of the things that when you're talking about this panel about what Princess Leia meant to people, a lot of times Padme was getting held up in comparison and Kat Tabor was very, um, how would you say, she kept reminding people that she was there all the time really fighting for Padme to get really the strongest portrayal and she never saw Padme's week but you're a huge Padme fan so I thought maybe in contrast you could just remind people why Padme is really important to you and you she's like to your to you she's, she's what Leia, Leia is to me yeah yeah she, really she is Padme does a lot of things that I don't think that she gets credit for I mean she has a strength inside of her that the only place Leia could get that from is from her mother she stands up for what she believes in. She doesn't let a very male-dominated world push her around. She she is an eloquent speaker. She knows how to use her voice to get across what she feels needs to be done. She knows how to fight without, you know, having to actually use a weapon even though a lot of people claim that words are weapons and they can be, but you know, in the world of star Wars without having to use a blaster, but at the same time, she has that strength in her just as Leia does that, you know, if you're in a jam, you got to do what you got to do. And she's not afraid to do what she needs to do. She's a passionate lover, which I absolutely adore because it shows that she is versatile, that she has lots of sides to her, that she is a true woman, um, that she, that women don't just have to be one thing. They don't have to just be strong, that they don't just have to be, you know, good at politics or good at sports or that they're, that we're well-rounded and, you know, have lots of dimensions to us. Um, and it's true. It doesn't matter what universe you come from. A well-written female character to me has all of that stuff. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people talk about the whole, like, you know, she died of a broken heart kind of thing. And that's a big issue with a lot of people when it comes to Padme. But I think that, you know, for a woman who, you know, maybe is in a codependent relationship and loses themselves and their partner, it's not uncommon for something like that to happen. You know, I think that she, it shows how human she is. I don't know. There's just so much to her. And she doesn't well, get enough credit. I what's an, And, you know, one of the reasons, I mean, I have written about Padme and Star Wars Insider. I wrote about, you know, when you say Leia had the strength, I think Luke has Padme's strength, too. He, do, he you know, does. Talk, they both do. Yeah, and we talk a lot about, it, you know, being a Skywalker saga, but he's a... Uh, he and Leia both are Amidala, too. They're both... Padme's children as well so sometimes you know we say well they're you know they're very Skywalker but sometimes you could see how they're both very much their mother and Padme sometimes gets a bad rap because just because she didn't win right and just you know well she wasn't very good politician well you could be a really good you could be a really good soccer player and you lose it, you know, in the World Cup, or you could be a really good quarterback, but you lose in the Super Bowl. But that doesn't mean you're not a good quarterback or a good soccer player. So just because she was, I mean, he was a Sith Lord. He had he had things going on that she just did, didn't even think of. And I like that Padme always was looking for the good in people. Oh, because I mean, always. She she never she never just looked at someone and saw a horrible person. And on top of that, like with you talking about Luke, and I've I've never really talked about that side of it before. Luke has his mother's kindness, and he has his mother's compassion for people. And then that whole looking for the good in someone, he has that from the minute he you know steps onto screen. You know, I mean, he's. He's in a lot of ways he's a he's a mama's boy without being able to be one because his mom's not around, you know. 
Yeah, they're heavily influenced by Padme. Yeah, and, you know, we our first introduction is Luke is sort of all about his father. So, you know, it tends to be, well, at least for someone, like, when that was for years, that was all I had was, you know, A New Hope and Empire Strikes as they came out. So that's all I was thinking about. And then people who've been especially introduced to Leia, um, later and Luke later after they've seen the prequel trilogies or started in the Clone Wars, they might see it a little bit differently. Um, but a lot of the people who are writing Star Wars are of my generation who saw it that way. So sometimes that really heavily influences how they frame things. And then in that clip, Jen Heddle talks about being out with a group of the Marvel storytellers who happen to all be men. And they were talking about the instance when after they're all rescued or get saved from the Sarlacc pit and they don't die and they go back. And there was sort of this, um, from all the men, this impression, well, when they got back to the Winning Falcon, that Han would say, oh, wow, she's really hot in that Slave Leia outfit. And for Jennifer Heddle, she was like, well, to me, I don't think, she didn't think that he he would find that attractive. He would be more like, he was blind. <laughs> she might have been like, get me out of this. But, you know, it was interesting to see how perhaps just having different people with different perspectives in the storytelling process, you with having those different people in there, they could have different perspectives and see how perhaps sometimes things in a story might come off to a a female reader where you're like, Oh, well, I don't think that that would be really romantic, but they thought it was just, you know, and a lot of these people grew up on, you know, return, the return of the Jedi. They were teenagers. A lot of these people in that, that age now that is creating comics. So I thought it was a really nice open discussion about just storytelling and having a diverse mix of creators in there and then of course we got to see Carrie Hart and Carrie Beck up there talking about creating Star Wars so I feel like all those messages and then of course Kathleen Kennedy who as um, my pal Geek K said she felt like that that Star Wars was giving the fandom a hug so I thought Kathleen Kennedy was essentially doing that <laughs> It was a nice maybe woman's touch to Star Wars. <laughs> well, and I think it's good. I mean, I think that having Kathleen Kennedy in charge of the whole thing is kind of going to work in our favor. Because she does not strike me as the type of woman that's going to let a group of men push her around. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, part of me feels like George Lucas knew what he was doing. He said, I'm going to put a woman in charge of this. Let's see how you guys handle that. That's exactly, exactly. I have had those same thoughts where he was like, where does, where do I, and Rain Roberts sort of um, defended George Lucas on the panel just to say, remind people that um, he created this archetype of Princess Leia and people to not forget that. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really awesome that she just, you know, put that out there. And then one of the, this third clip is going to talk a little bit about being, being feminine and being a strong female character. So I'll let it roll. I wanted to go back to, there was a comment before about Leia making it okay to be feminine because I think that's super important because while, you know, strong characters like Ripley are awesome, one of the things I love about Leia is that she is girlish and feminine. I hate the expression, I'm not like the other girls because that means that the, uh, being a girl is bad. And I just wondered if you could comment more on that and like how other Star Wars characters like maybe Hera or Sabine are now doing that as well. It's meant a lot to me as, as an actress playing those two characters and I talk about it all the time. Why I love playing those characters is because if you make it seem like in order to be a strong, formidable woman you have to be one thing and you can't like dresses or you can't you know, like wearing makeup or something, then all you're doing is saying that there's something wrong with that. The point is supposed to be is that there, there's nothing wrong with being who you are and, you know, growing up and, and, and being someone who, who wants to be strong and maybe wants to shoot a gun and, you know, is willing to kick a bad guy's ass, but also that you might want to, you know, put on a dress sometimes and look pretty. Having that combination is so rare. 
in, in media. And so Star Wars has just been, as a franchise, the best about having these characters feel both. And it's really important because there's nothing wrong with, you know, being both or one or the other. Yeah, and there's something kind of great about the, you know, the image of Leia in the first movie where she's running around and she's dirty and she's carrying this gun and she's wearing this, like, you know, beautiful white dress. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what she's wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's relevant for, for people. So we have talked about this a little bit. Just will we embrace our pink and purple and our girly things? <laughs> pink and purple and girly things. Scarves. <laughs> Wait a minute. At one point, Teresa was going to wear a tutu of sorts, right? To, I wanted to uh, wear like a like a like a tool, not like a tutu sticking out like Swan Lake type tutu, but like a <laughs> like a tool little skirt on top of my leggings because it would be like stars i don't know <laughs> hey dang you I trisha could, <laughs> if i could wear a star wars tutu i would so someone make it her universe yeah, because, <laughs> because i would i would buy it so well i mean is i wore my x-wing sweater to work and like nobody realized and I'm like so well I think because they're just brains are like I would see somebody wearing something and be like, oh my gosh, there's an X-wing on your sweater. But it was so kind of subtle that that's what I would do. You know it too. I'd be like, you got X-wings on you. I know. Well, you know, but you can you can now buy. Well, if you want to, you can buy pink Star Wars stuff, and I do. I buy. I love I pink, Star I buy pink Star Wars. I pink Star Wars. I like purple Star Wars. One of my favorite shirts is the retro. Darth Vader shirt that her universe did. It was black with a pink. Oh, really? I never dug that one. But the, I have one that I really like. I got from Hot Topic. It has Vader on it, um, but he's in shades of black and blue and purple. And the Star Wars logo is in pink. It's really cool. We'll see. And I, I'm pretty sure the Star Wars logo that shirt that Kathleen Kennedy wore from her universe on the first day was like out, like sold, gone. And that's like. Did you get Star Wars it? And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Me too. I'm just checking. Yeah. Just checking. I, I wore it to I wore it to my um, panel that I hosted about the diversity of opinions, and which was before the Princess Leia panel. But I was like, yeah, because look at all the pretty colors. It makes Star Wars much because it used to be a logo in one color, and now you can have it in all sorts of colors. And I actually saw guys that bought the shirt. <laughs> So well, you uh, know, thought, guys got the Ahsoka Live shirt. They got the Star Wars logo shirt. They bought the um, May the Force Be With You sweatshirt. Well, you know, Aaron, mom, no. and yes. you know, it's because of the plus sizes. They can buy the plus sizes, and it'll fit them, and it doesn't that, look awkward and weird. That sweatshirt is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. So it's so like, soft. Well, and it was it was really freezing cold in the celebration Anaheim uh, most of the time I was cold I so it worked and I anyway but it's cool because that's not pink so you could wear it I think it's gray with what reds and blues mm-hmm. on? just blue just blue mm-hmm. just blue single color um so that's something it's like a distressed blue logo <laughs> do we want to get yeah. into fashion terms it's distressed you know <laughs> I don't know what else because I'm not a fashion person. Well, and this is, you know, one of the things that they were talking about just, well, obviously Princess Leia, we've talked about her and even Padme would, you know, she could dress up in her girly clothes or handmade clothes. But even then in her handmade clothes, she was putting some, you know, whoop ass on there (laughs) at the Battle of Naboo with her really cool battle braids, which, by the way, if if you look at sort of when Ray turned her head I know, right? you see those mm-hmm. little kind of mm-hmm. modified yeah. yeah so now I've been practicing them and you know that's your like quick and dirty uh, <laughs> you're quick and dirty going to to workout class and I'm waiting to see how many because I don't think the I mean Carrie said that the Leia buns are retired but I'm sort of sad about that how do you feel about the Leia buns totally retired Let's go with braids. It's braid time. This this year, our braids are in. 
I almost yeah. like Leia better with her her headband of braid or her braided headband. You know. Well, if they would sell like the I although I I have seen that now you can get like the Disney Mickey cap with the buns. Mm-hmm. So, but see, you can actually make a headband out of your own hair as a braid on the side. I've watched a YouTube video of how to do it. Oh well, there you go. So braids are in, and well, braids have been in. I think Katniss helped. Oh yeah, braids are in, when, buns are on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until until like they show well you know it's coming soon. Um, Mockingjay before, Part Two. I know. Mockingjay Part Two. Mockingjay well, Part One is out on Blu-ray. Sorry, well, sorry. and did you see the who's rumored to be in Rogue One? No. What? Did Sam Caflin. Really? Finnick? Finnick? Yeah. So, yes. so I'm going like Finnick. Finnick. That's all I'm saying. So. <laughs> We'll have to have Bethany and Riley on from Star Wars Report and just like Jones out on on a, well I think we promised we're gonna do the rewatch because we're gonna rewatch the Hunger Games and do an episode with them before Mocking Jay Part Two. So because we got didn't all that sorted out. Yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> so, um, so but the cool thing is you can have these kind of characters and. My favorite example is Bo-Katan and Satine because mm. they're, you know, you can be in armor or you could be Satine in her beautiful gowns and both um, rock in your Star Wars universe. And they're they're very similar in that they're strong and tough, but they are both different and they're both Mandalorians. So Mando. that's, I, apparently Mandalorians are cool right now. So, you know. We have Satine and Sabine, just the real Satine. Satine, Sabine. I don't know what to say. I think we try to avoid making any of this singular representation of any kind of character and allow the character to be um, what the story is asking, asking of us. And sometimes that character, like a Hera, for example, is um, very maternal in a way and kind of takes care of the crew as a ghost, but she's also the pilot and the leader, and a leader in a lot of ways. And when we were coming up with that character, that made the most sense to us. Um, same thing for Sabine. Um, we wanted a, a character that could that could be kind of a handy, like, weapons expert kind of a character, and we and we wanted another woman on the show. And, and so we're like, let's have the woman on the show we want to be is the weapons expert. Like, it wasn't like we, it's not like we, we have any kind of boxes we're trying to check. And so it really comes from a very organic place. And that's why, again, I appreciate the prototype that George gave us with Leia because she had all these contradictions already built in. It wasn't like she was one thing that she was literally in wore dresses and was a very, very, she wore dresses, but she also had a blaster. And, and so I think it's been, it's really easy for us to continue to do that as we create new characters to, to make them whatever they want to be. And that could be very feminine or it could be a little more butch or whatever, whatever it is. Like we're not going to make a rule for ourselves. And um, I do think there is a trend out there to make a strong female character be unique, like you say, a man with, you know, breasts or whatever. Um, but that's just, that's also kind of very singular in a way too. So. I think we're just trying to create a variety, and for the male characters as well, like not make them one thing either, and make them something more sensitive. And you know, you can look at Luke and Han and say Luke is really sensitive, and, and obviously and he's, he's sensitive to the force, so he kind of needs to be. And Han's a little bit more of a uh, swashbuckler type. So you know, George already laid that all out for us, so it's really easy to just continue to create variety among everybody. Yeah, I think the fully, the fully developed character of the princess Leia, she wasn't the pretty princess, and she wasn't the tech tomboy, she was all of it, and I think that's the key, is to let them have the full character, and not pigeonhole her into these certain pretty princess box, or, because the thing is, is, is girls kind of get shafted either way, they're either tomboy, and they can't be pretty, or they're the pretty, and that's not good enough, um, and then you can't fire a gun, and then you can't fire a gun, exactly, it's like, just, and, and then that kind of goes with men too. They're either the tough squashbucks or the smart guys like Han, or they're, or they're the soft sensitive. And the soft sensitive is always seen as the weak guy. And it's like, just let them have all of these traits and develop a full character. And that's what she was. What I wanted to wrap this up with, did you see, you didn't go to the closing ceremonies, right? No. 
Okay. Well, there's no point. Well, yeah, but (laughs) I started, I started crying during the closing ceremonies when they were playing the video because it was all these, it was half, it was at least half girls in it. And, you know, they were, they were doing, and I'll share the link. They were, Disney's put it up since then, but they were talking, it was Mark Hamill's lines or Luke's lines from the Force Awakens trailer where, which are really from Return of the Jedi. And they were partially showing kids. Partially from Return of the Jedi. And they were showing kids, like siblings next to each other and families. And they were like, probably, I don't know, three or four little Princess Leia cosplayers, little girls. And I don't know why, but that just like gets me all um, just like, this is so cute. Although I... I do have a funny story. Apparently, when Kay was at C2E2, Ray, this little girl wanted to pose with her, and she was Princess Leia, but then she wanted to hack off Ray's hand. (laughs) (laughs) Her mom's like, you can't do that. So so we're waiting. Apparently, that young lady has already um, believed that Princess Leia will have a lightsaber and will be hacking off limbs in The Force (laughs) Awakens. And I kind of think that would be awesome. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. She's like, yeah, the little girl wanted to pose with me. And then she's like, can I hack your hand off like Luke? And she's like, okay, that's awkward. <laughs> that's <laughs> I thought funny. That was funny. So anyway, I was very excited to see all the little girls in their little Princess Leia costumes. And it was making me cry. So I had that for a sad ending. <laughs> it's a sad, happy ending. It's a sad, happy ending. So we have to, um, we'll, we'll wrap this up and remind people where they can find us, which is essentially, and Teresa and I had this conversation. We're like, should we do another Twitter handle? We're like, no, because too much we to have do with. <laughs> too much to do with. So essentially, you can find me at Fangirl Cantina on Twitter and Instagram, and Teresa is everywhere. Ice cold penguin. That's everywhere right yeah it's everywhere you can um if you follow trisha's um instagram when she podcasts for the aristocat she puts pictures of marie eating her phone <laughs> i know and everybody's like that's really scary but <laughs> oh i, I have to, to retaliate with pictures of Pooh Bear eating my phone <laughs> <laughs> i like marie i mean no i thought made it was up- cute i i like marie although we're we're forgetting about Star Wars Rebels toys campaigns, and we are now starting a campaign (laughs) for Toulouse to be a character. Toulouse and Berlioz need to be released. Can they be a sum-sum? Ooh, Toulouse and Berlioz sum-sums. Wouldn't that be cute with a Thomas O'Malley and a Duck one? That'd be great. And we have totally derailed this But next month is Little Mermaid, just saying. Oh, it is? Yeah. I'll send you a link later. Anyway, um, so you can, if you want to send us an email, just email the Fangirls Going Rogue email, which is fangirlsgoingrogue at gmail.com. We post um, the show notes and everything released about the show on fangirlblog.com, which is Trisha's website, fangirlnextdoor.com, which is mine, and then on the Fangirls Going Rogue Facebook page. And we are actually on iTunes right now, so I hope you're listening to us on iTunes. If you are, leave us a review, a good one with five stars stars and say that you know we are awesome geeky girls and things like that that'd be cool yeah and you can send us emails you could send us even voicemails to to fangirls which and is something three something three three one two one ewoks, ewoks. <laughs> i said it enough times three three now. one two one ewoks ewoks and because why wouldn't we have and Ewoks. And so on our next episode of Fangirl Chat, we will be breaking down Ewoks page by page on Ultimate Star Wars. No, just kidding. Why not? Let's totally do that. <laughs> and I'd probably be going, I'm glad Teresa knows more about Ewoks than I do. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for joining us and listening, and we will see you next time on Fangirl Chat. Sounds good. Do we have a close for the show? We don't. Should we make up we a close? Totally do that. I don't know what though. Meow. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and most people would not get that. No, they would totally not understand that at all. 
Uh, next time we'll have one. We'll think about it because this is awkward and weird. Um, Wonder Woman. Yeah, we have the Wonder yeah, Woman. Music, yeah, we gotta so. come up with something. I don't know. Something cool. Brad Dellinger make us a song. Hang on. Well, we don't need a song. We just need like a yub yub thing, or this. Wait a minute. What's the name of your Tauntaun? Snowy. Is your wait? What? What's yours? Tawny. Okay. Yeah. Then mine's Snowy. Yeah. <laughs> and this will, that will think... be that will be the closing of our show. There we go. And we're <laughs> out.